Hi, hello, and welcome to this episode of the Lives and Styles of Old Hollywood. Today's episode is about Jean Harlow, the first very platinum blonde Hollywood star that drove audiences crazy with her bias cut dresses and cleavage and with her superb comedic talent. Her career and life were tragically cut short when she died from kidney failure. Her legacy, her style, and her beauty will live on forever, though. Let's start at the beginning. Harleen Harlow Carpenter was born on March 3, 1911, in Kansas City, Missouri. Her parents actually were quite well-to-do, and they had money. So Harleen's childhood was not missing anything. Harleen's father, Montclair Carpenter, was a dentist with a working-class background. Mother Jean Poe Harlow came from money. Her father was real estate broker Skip Harlow. Their marriage was an arranged one due to Skip's making. Jean was still underage then, was not happy about the marriage and grew bitter and unhappy. But Skip had the money. And so Jean and her husband Montclair lived together in a house that Skip owned. Three years into the marriage, Arlene was born. Her nickname was Baby. And it was used so often that she wasn't aware that she had a real first name until she attended school and was called by Arlene. The nickname Baby stuck with her for the remainder of her life and those close to her would always call her like that. Harleen's relationship with her mother was a very close one. Jean had always made sure that her daughter would know that everything she had was because of her. Jean was extremely protective and saw Jean as hers and hers alone. Finally, in 1922, after 14 years of marriage, Jean Harlow filed for divorce from her husband and received sole custody for Harleen. Sadly, Harleen would rarely ever see her father again. Mother and daughter moved to Hollywood, with Mother Jean hoping to become an actress, but was told to be too old. At school, Harleen would meet later superstars Douglas Fairbanks Jr., Joel McGrea, and Irene Maya Selznick. This could have been great, but Skip Harlow, the patriarch of the family, ordered Jean and daughter Harleen back to Kansas City, otherwise he would disinherit them. With their stark financial situation, there was no other option than to obey. Their next move, though, was to Lake Forest, Illinois, as Mother Jean had fallen in love with mobster Marino Bello, who lived in Chicago. Arlene attended Ferry Hall School in Lake Forest and got to know Charles Chuck Freeman McGrew, who was heir to quite some fortune. In 1927, when Arlene was only 16 years old, they married with a five-year age gap between them. Shortly after the wedding, McGrew, at 21 years, received part of his inheritance – these two wealthy, young and beautiful people moved to Los Angeles. McGrew's ulterior motive for the move? To get some distance between Arlene and her possessive mother. Settled in Los Angeles, these two partied and drank a lot. Arlene enjoyed the life of an upper-class socialite with no worries in the world. Whilst in L.A., Arlene befriended many from the film industry – and while she was waiting for one of her actress friends on the Fox studio lot, she was approached by executives from the studio, but flat out declined. Nevertheless, she received a letter of introduction to a casting company for extras, stand-ins and buddy doubles. Her friend dared Harleen to go there, and Harleen would never chicken out of a dare, so she went there. Probably her mother Jean, who had followed her to Hollywood, pressed her into going there as well, trying to see her own acting ambitions fulfilled by her daughter. So... Arlene went, but signed on under her mother's name, Jean Harlow. Hence the sometimes confusing names of mother and daughter. 
Arlene, or Jean, wasn't too keen on working, but her mother pressed her into accepting work with one of the studios. So she accepted some stints as an unnamed extra with a pay of roughly $130 if adjusted for inflation. In 1928, she signed a five-year contract with Hell Roach Studios for $100 a week, which today would be roughly $1,860. Hell Roach was specialized in comedies, and Jean Harlow appeared in several Laurel and Hardy shorts with even co-starring credits. But the contract was terminated already the following year. Jean reportedly told Hell Roach, It's breaking up my marriage. What can I do? and he subsequently tore up her contract. Later that year, Jean Harlow was photographed nude by Edward Bauer. And that same year, Jean divorced McCrew. The cause for the divorce? Well, it could have been the heavy drinking on both sides. It could have been Jean's acting and posing. It could have been the meddling mother. Subsequently, Jean Harlow moved back in with her mother and her beau Marino Bello. That could have been the end of Jean's career. But soon after, Jean was discovered for a second time. This time, she was presented to Howard Hughes, who was in the process of reshooting Hell's Angels with sound and was in desperate need of an actress to replace Greta Nissen, who had a thick Norwegian accent and was thus not suitable for the role. Jean screen-tested for Hughes, got the role and signed another five-year contract, this time with Hughes, for the same wage as at Hell Roads, for $100 a week. When Hell's Angels premiered roughly seven months later, it became the highest-grossing film of 1930. Although this was also the year that Kreta Garbo made her talking debut in Anna Christie. Harlow became an instant star with the audiences, although the critics were not so sure of her talent, but conceded that she was great to look at. Jean was sent on a heavy promotional tour with lots of personal appearances, drawing in the crowds, although she personally hated those appearances. As Hughes did not have any other picture available during the subsequent months, Jean was loaned to other studios and appeared in movies together with Wallace Beery, Clark Gable, Robert Armstrong and James Cagney. Jean Harlow's first major movie for Columbia Pictures was Platinum Blonde, co-starring Loretta Young. Initially, the movie had been called Gallagher as Loretta Young's main character, but was renamed to take advantage of Jean Harlow's growing popularity. Although Jean Harlow initially denied that her platinum blonde hair was dyed or bleached, it actually was. Every week, ammonia, Clorox bleach and Lux soap flakes were applied to her hair to keep the color. Therefore, another genius Hollywood marketing campaign was conceived. A contestant for petitions with $10,000 prize money for the one that would match Jean Harlow's platinum blonde hair color. But none was able to do so, and the money went unclaimed. But of course, the movie Platinum Blonde became a box office hit, and Jean Harlow was stuck with the moniker. Next, Harlow got an engagement with MGM and was sent across the country for personal appearances again. And she packed each and every theater that she attended for the filming of her MGM movie, The Beast of the City. After this enormous success, Paul Byrne, MGM executive and romantically involved with Harlow, tried to convince Louis B. Meyer to buy Harlow's contract from Hughes. But Meyer declined. MGM was clamor and elegance for him, Harlow did not fit into this picture. 
MGM's head of production, Irving Talberg, was more inclined and finally agreed. So, in 1932, MGM bought Harlow's contract from Hughes for $30,000, which today would be roughly $700,000. At MGM, Jean Harlow was given the chance to shine her enormous comedic talent in a variety of comedies and was paired a total of six times with Clark Gable. Their on-screen comedy and verbal banter was pure gold. But as usual, MGM couldn't resist to try to change Gene Harlow into a star of their own liking. So they put out press releases that claimed that her birth name was not Carpenter, but Carpentier, to make her come from French origin. Even a family connection with Edgar Allan Poe was created to make her seem more distinguished. Gene Harlow's movie hits Dinner at Eight and Bombshell followed in 1933 with a then 22-year-old Gene Harlow. Several high-profile movie roles followed. One of them was Wife vs. Secretary in 1936, opposite Myrna Loy and James Stewart. One rememberable quote by James Stewart is the following. Clarence Brown, the director, wasn't too pleased by the way I did the smooching. He made us repeat the scene about half a dozen times. I botched it up on purpose. That Sheen Harlow sure was a good kisser. I realized that until then, I had never been really kissed. I found this quote really touching and quite amusing. But now we come to the final phase of Jean's life. Jean Harlow had been seriously ill multiple times throughout her life. At age 5, she had suffered from meningitis, and at age 15, from scarlet fever. And the latter would actually prove fatal for Jean. During the filming of Susie, Wife vs. Secretary and Libeled Lady in 1936, Jean Harlow had gotten sick multiple times and delayed filming. In January 1937, 26-year-old Jean Harlow got sick with influenza, but recovered in time for the Academy Awards that she attended with partner William Powell. In March of that year, filming for Saratoga, co-starring Clark Gable began. But Harlow would develop sepsis after having multiple wisdom teeth removed and needed to be rushed to the hospital. Finally, in late April, she had recovered enough to resume her filming responsibilities. But already a month later, she complained of feeling very sick. Her symptoms included fatigue, nausea, fluid retention, weight gain, grey skin and abdominal pain. The studio doctor believed it to be simply a gallbladder inflammation. But a week later, she felt sick during filming and wanted to be taken home immediately. William Powell called in the doctor, as well as Jean's mother, to check up on her. As Jean had been sick on previous movies before and had delayed their filming, there was no particular concern on either side. Again, Jean was diagnosed with an inflamed gallbladder and was expected to get back to the set a week later. Clark Gable, who visited his close friend and frequent co-star, would later recall that Harlow was seriously bloated and that her breath smelled of urine. Another doctor was called in and realized that Jean Harlow was not suffering from an inflamed gallbladder, but from imminent kidney failure. At this stage, she was not able anymore to see clearly. She was rushed to the hospital and slipped into a coma. Within 12 hours, on June 7, 1937, at age 26, Jean Harlow died from excess accumulation of fluid in the spaces of the brain, a complication of kidney failure. Her death certificate lists acute respiratory infection, acute nephritis and uremia. 
The cause for this quick succession of events is likely in the scarlet fever that she had contracted as a teenager. Because one of the possible long-term effects of the disease is post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis. Both kidneys suffer and can lead to kidney failure. Also, Harlow had suffered from a very severe sunburn the year before, and State of Science now states that sunburns can have deathly effects on the kidneys. Jean Harlow had been rest to peace at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Clendale in a marble room that William Powell had purchased. Jean was wearing a pink negligee from a latest film set and holding a white gardenia with the note Good night, my dearest darling, by William Powell. Actually, the marble room held two additional spaces, one for Mother Jean and one for Powell. And indeed, her mother was buried there in 1958. But Powell would later marry actress Diana Lewis, cremated upon his death and buried in Desert Memorial Park. Now, that was the professional life and sad end of Jean Harlow. Let's see what kind of relationships she had during a lifetime. So there was husband number one, Charles Chuck Fremont McCrew, which he married still under age. Her next relationship was with Abner Zwillman. Abnett Swillman was a gangster, one of the big names of the American Mafia clans and one of the founding members of the nationwide crime syndicate Murder Incorporated. Swillman controlled up to 40% of the liquor bootlegging in the US during the Prohibition era. Swillman and Harlow only dated very briefly. During this time, Jean received from him, for example, a red Cadillac and jewelry. And... Her salary increase at Columbia might also be due to the $500,000 that Swillman loan studio had Harry Cohn. Then comes in Paul Byrne. Jean Harlow met Paul Byrne, an MGM executive, during the filming of Hell's Angels, and they were married in 1932, when Jean was only 21 years old. Two months after the wedding, Paul Byrne was found dead at their shared home. His death was determined to have been a suicide by a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Jean Harlow remained silent during the investigation and survived without public backlash. There were theories that Byrne's common-law wife Dorothy Millett killed him, but this theory has been proven wrong. Suicide really is the most probable reason, especially with a suicide note appearing at the crime scene. Nevertheless, it is a proven fact that MGM tapered with the crime scene for two hours before the police arrived to keep their blonde star covered and safe. Next, Jean Harlow and boxer Max Baer started an affair shortly after the death of Jean's husband Paul Byrne. Although Baer was separated from his wife Dorothy Dunbar, but not yet legally divorced, MGM feared for another scandal involving one of the most bankable stars – so they quickly arranged a marriage between Jean Harlow and cinematographer Harold Rosson. As Rosson and Harlow were good friends, Rosson went along with the charade of an arranged marriage. He married Jean Harlow and the two quietly divorced eight months later. And then there's William Powell. Jean Harlow and William Powell met in 1934 when Harlow had already been divorced from Harold Rosson and Powell and Harlow fell in love quickly. But it did not make the relationship public, as William Powell was not so sure about future plans. But he was by Jean's side during her last days and cared deeply for her. He actually had planned to be buried beside her and waited 13 years to remarry. So if she hadn't died, she probably would have wed 
William Powell and probably would have been a star for a long time due to her enormous potential in comedy, her great looks and her wonderful personality. Some miscellaneous facts about Jean Harlow that I found quite interesting. First, Jean Harlow was the godmother of Bugsy Siegel's eldest daughter, Millicent. So Bugsy Siegel was also a mobster. While the Siegels were living in LA, they were very well integrated into the celebrity circles of the town. So Millicent had riding lessons with Elizabeth Taylor. Jean Harlow was her godmother and gave her regular baths. And even Cary Grant would sometimes come over as well. Then there's the funny fact, which I didn't know because I do not drink alcohol. There's a cocktail, which is called Jean Harlow, which is equal parts light rum and sweet vermouth. Another miscellaneous fact that I didn't know was that Jean Harlow actually wrote a novel. It is called Today is Tonight and it was only published in 1965 because the studio didn't want her to follow any other creative avenues while employed by MGM. And then there's the fact that Jean Harlow was given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1950, a long time after her death. So the first time that I heard about Jean Harlow actually was when I read a book about Adrian, the famed costume designer of Hollywood, because he was responsible for the great white bias cut satin dresses that would make Jean Harlow's figure appear so appealing and sexy and just absolutely glamorous. And the more I know about this person, the more I get intrigued and the sadder I am that the medical standards of that time could not save her life. Because if there's one lesson that is worth learning from Jean Harlow's very short 26 years would be that you never know when the show is over. Jean Harlow died, although she was closely monitored by doctors and nurses. So even with the best care available at that time, terrible things can happen and they can happen today. So don't wait any longer to have the life that you want. There is no, I'll start next month, next week, next Monday. Just stop the wait for circumstances to be perfect to start. Start the podcast, start the business, start the hobby, start the relationships, start the moving to another country, start the traveling, whatever it is that is on your to-do list, on your bucket list, on your wish list. Just do them because life is short. And that is the only lesson to be learned from the wonderful and glamorous and extraordinary Jean Harlow. I hope you got inspired by her life and, well, that you make something out of it. I definitely cannot wait to talk to you again next week. Have a wonderful time and just start doing what you want to do. Bye.